Hello again, everyone. We're back with another episode of Diamond Digest's Top 10 Right Now, the 2022 edition. We're filling MLB Network's place for this annual exercise because they can't talk about current players. I'm your host, Sean Huff, and I'm here with Jenny Sai today. And Hello. we're going to we're going to talk about second baseman. Uh, we're recording this episode about two days before it'll go up, so hopefully there's no news that we miss in the meantime. I doubt there will be, but hopefully not. So we're going to start today by talking about the position as a whole, and I'm going to ask you what your experience was doing this list because you just did it today, uh, and I did it several months ago. So we're probably going to have a different perspective. Uh, I thought there was like a clear top three and then like a clear second tier of three or four guys and then the rest, I just really didn't want to rank any of them. Outside of the top two, it was really a mess, basically. There were so many players who either have inconsistent performances or just don't have very high-level performances to look back on and think, oh, he can do that, or he has the potential to do this. There's not a lot of players with a very high ceiling in this position group compared to like the shortstops or some other places, but it's made tough because those that are on our list, they do have some extremely good qualities that makes <laughs> it hard to, to think do I want to put him above him or, and if I do that, what about them? You know, it's a, it's a lot of push and pull, very narrow margins in this position group. Yeah. There's almost no difference between eighth and 14th of this position. All right. We're going to get started with a couple people who didn't make the overall list, but we're pretty close. Uh, and before we reveal those, I'm going to say that, this list was put together by about two dozen staff members here at Diamond Digest. It was writers, graphics people, editors. Uh, we all have a giant spreadsheet of a lot of players at every position, about 25 at every position. We ranked our top 10 or top 15, you could choose. And players got points based on the positions they were ranked. Most points ranked highest on the list. So. In alphabetical order, the three people that were pretty close to making the list but didn't quite make it were DJ LeMayhew, Jeff McNeil, and Colton Wong. And LeMayhew is going into his age 33 season, and he had a definite down year in 2021. He had a 100 WRC+, 2.4 F4. That was versus a 146 WRC+, and 7.9 F4 combined 2019 and 2020. McNeil also had a down year. He's going to be 30 next year. It was the first time in his career that he wasn't a good hitter. He had a 93 WRC plus and only half an F4 compared to the first three years of his career where over a thousand, over, over a thousand at bats. He had a 140 WRC plus and almost nine war. And then Colton Wong, there's nothing new to say with him. He's good. He's been good for a while. He's going to be 31 next year. He put up another season of about three wins, 2.9 F4, 109 WRC+, positive two outs above average. The defense is a big draw with him. So do any of these stick out to you? Without like explicitly revealing your list, do any of these stick out to you as guys who definitely should have been on or like guys who 
definitely shouldn't be on. Uh, the only one that really stands out to me is Colton Wong, because to me, Colton Wong is the benchmark for second baseman. If you have someone of Wong's ability or better, you're happy. You aren't necessarily looking to upgrade. You might in certain cases, but not always. Whereas if you have someone worse than Wong, you're going to want to be looking for an upgrade. That makes sense. He's a good fielder. He's a, about a league average header year in and year out. I wanted to talk about uh, Jeff McNeil because he was a great hitter for three seasons straight. And then last year it kind of fell off a cliff, but he's on the Mets. That just kind of happens sometimes. So I don't think we can really count out him becoming good again. We also can't really count out him just being bad now because he's on the Mets. And we're going to move into the actual list now. With number 10, we have the oldest player on the list, Whit Merrifield from the Royals. Merrifield is going into his age 33 season. And he plays a ton. Last year, he had 720 plate appearances. I believe that was second in MLB behind only Marcus Simeon, who was on the high-powered Blue Jays offense. Merrifield didn't hit last year, one, just a 91 WRC+. plus, But he still ran the bases really well. He had 40 steals. He was an excellent fielder, positive six outs above average at second base. And that added up to a three-win player, 3.2 F4. Now, I don't particularly like it because I want to put guys on my list who can hit. But Merrifield's a good player. He was pretty close for me. Uh, was he close for you? I don't think you had him. Uh, I did not have him in my top 10. The thing to me about Merrifield is the three things he does well. He's durable, he runs well, and he fields well. That's all stuff that's going to fall off pretty sharply as he continues to age. And he doesn't, like you said, when you introduced him, he doesn't have the hitting ability to really fall back on or help buoy any production that might be lost as he ages. So I really don't think Merrifield is one of the better second basemen in the league. I certainly don't think he is someone you would actively seek out if you needed a second baseman. Yeah, he's not bad, but he's... This seems high to me, especially compared to the guys we just talked about, like he has the same skill set as Colton Wong, but he's a worse hitter. He's certainly a worse hitter than McNeil. And LeMahieu, who knows at this point. But Merrifield... Yeah. LeMahieu, he gives you versatility, which is something that... Uh, elite versatility at a level McNeil... Not McNeil, at a level Merrifield doesn't. Yeah, Merrifield does have versatility, but he's bad in the outfield. We're going to move up to number nine. This is one that surprised me. This one's really low, in my opinion. Jorge Polanco from the Twins. Polanco had a great season last year. 644 plate appearances of 3.9 F4, 33 home runs. He had a WRC plus in the high 120s. I forgot to put what the actual number was in my notes. 122. <laughs> What, what was it? 122 in 2021. Okay, thank you. And a career-high exit velocity, which was, I believe, 89.4, which bodes well for Polanco going forward. He's not playing shortstop anymore, which is a relief because he was horrendous as a defender there. But he's decent at second base. 
He's an exciting base runner. He's a good hitter. Why is Polanco so low? I agree with you on this. I had Polanco ranked seventh, if I remember correctly. Polanco, I, I think, too. is one of the biggest. He's one of the players with the biggest potential to make a lot of noise to surprise a lot of people. Uh, he raised his home runs per fly ball rate in 2021 to a career high of 15.3%. This was due, like you said, due to the career high in exit velocity, but also because he raised his he raised his pull rate to 52%, uh, about a 10% increase above his career average. That contributed to, uh, let me check my notes really quick, to a, like, to something ISO. Uh, that looks very likely to continue to be the case for him in 2022. Yeah. And he's also probably going to get even more playing time now that he's not having to man short every day. So I think he can really make a lot of people surprised. And if you pick him up in fantasy, he might make you very happy. Yeah, he is absolutely valuable in fantasy. He's valuable in real life. Uh, he, I think he's someone who gets a lot of undue hate because when he's bad, he looks really bad. We've all seen him on Pitching Ninja getting de-helmeted by sliders. And he looks awful when he swings and misses, which he does a lot. But he also has been hitting the ball harder now, and he's a good runner. He's a decent fielder at second base. And it all combines to a pretty good player. And hopefully the Twins continue to use him at second base because I don't want to have to watch him at short. That's always tough, though. They have Arias there, too, sometimes. Moving up to number eight, this is not actually a second baseman, but we determined, or I determined rather, the positions where everyone was going to be ranked long ago, I think the week after the World Series ended. So at the time, we were going to rank him as a second baseman, and by the time he signed, it was too late to change that. Most of us had already submitted our lists. So at number eight, a shortstop. Now of the Detroit Tigers, it's Javi Baez. Baez is in his prime. He's going into his age 29 season. And contrary to popular belief, he was good in 2021. 116 WRC+, plus, 31 home runs, 18 steals, 3.6 F4, and he contributed on defense. Three outs above average at second base. Now, he's controversial. A lot of people really hate Baez, and there's... Reasons for that that we're not going to talk about, and there's also reasons of him playing in big markets and being a flashy player and giving a thumbs down to fans where he was definitely in the right, but a lot of fans don't want to hear that. Everyone kind of thought he was bad last year. The numbers on the whole ended up being pretty good, and he got rewarded really well by the Tigers. Is eight a good spot for him if, if he's in this player group? He probably doesn't make the list at shortstop. But. Well, Baez is tough because, well, he's been around long enough. We know what he is. He's going to strike out a lot. He's going to hit a few balls very far. He's going to give you uh, some flashy plays at wherever you put him, really. 
I just wonder about the meshing of Hitter to Park. America's a very big park, and I wonder if that might neuter some of Baez's home run ability, which is his main offensive, which is where he gets most of his offensive production. So I wonder if he might actually end up being a glove first shortstop in Detroit with Comerica really keeping him from being able to tap into any power he has. That's interesting. I think Comerica is really good for increasing how fun he is. <laughs> he's going to hit balls into the gap and be able to run for a while. And we know he's has some sort of devil magic on the bases, but yeah, you're probably right in that he's going to hit a lot fewer homers. His shortstop defense declined this year. And he doesn't walk, which is a skill that you maintain when you get older. And he doesn't do it at all. I'm worried about his offense. I'm not worried about the defense so much. I think he'll be fine. He's athletic. He's fast. But that's an interesting point. And take away eight home runs and... Is he even a league average hitter? Now, at number seven, someone who has a more straightforward skill set than Baez, thankfully. It's reigning NL Rookie of the Year, Jonathan India. India is an interesting player. He's He was 24 as a rookie, and he was very good, putting up a 122 WRC+, a 376 on base, and a four-win season, 3.9 F4. However, he's a terrible defender. He was minus seven at second base, according to outs above average. That's terrible. It was, I believe, tied for the second worst second baseman in baseball. That's real bad. Hopefully the Reds aren't going to put him at short like they, like the Eugenio Suarez experiment, because that would just tank his value. I like India as a hitter. Um, the glove really worries me. What do you think? Well, I mean, he's the next hitter in the Grand Reds tradition of who cares if you don't have a glove, we'll find a place for you. <laughs> the Brandon Phillips tradition. The Castellanos, the Jesse Winker. Jesse Winker. Uh, when I was looking at India's page, what really caught my eye was his fly ball rate. He had a 190 ISO, but he only had a 33 fly ball rate. Playing in Great American Ballpark, he really could increase his power potential if he starts hitting more fly balls. I think that gives him even more offensive upside. Like you mentioned, he already has a very good eye, which I think gives him a good base for. That floor is dragged down by the defense, as you said, but... At second base, with the shift becoming more and more prolific, I wonder how much of an issue that will truly be as India's career goes on. I'm of the opinion that India can develop into a very, very good hitter, one where his defense isn't much of a concern, or even on the radar most of the time. Yeah. I think it hurts him that he's going to be playing alongside old man Joey Votto for the next two to three years, who I don't mean any disrespect to Joey Votto. He's one of the best hitters I've ever seen, but he's almost 40 and he can't field anymore. 
And India has to cover that ground too, when he can't even cover his own. I think that's going to hurt. I really like what you said about Great American Ballpark. Uh, if he can run into a few more homers, well then maybe instead of a 120 offensive guy, he's a 130 or a 135 guy when you pair his on base with potentially increased power. And that could move him. I had him as kind of like the third tier of second baseman. I think if he increases his power, that kind of moves him up solidly into the second tier. Especially if guys above him regress. He's going to be interesting to track up the list the next few years. Because he's someone who could very easily fall off if the league figures him out. And he's just a league average hitter. He has no value, really. But if he goes on an offensive tear, he could be ranked third or fourth next year. Although I don't think he deserved his rookie of the year. Ah. I love I love Trevor Rogers. <laughs> now we will get into that second tier I just alluded to. At number six, a rare loss for the Rays, Jake Cronenworth of the Padres. And Cronenworth isn't the most well-liked guy by the general public because a lot of people hate the Padres now. It's a cool thing to do. But in his two seasons in the majors, he's been very productive. He'll be 28 next season. Last year, he put up 4.4 F4 and a 116 WRC+. For his career, that's a 118 mark. And he has 5.9 war in just over 830 plate appearances. He's really good. He's really consistent. He plays a good second base. He would be an excellent first baseman if the Padres didn't have a ground ball machine playing there. He's versatile. He played short for part of the year when Tatis was in center. He's just a really good player. He's really solid across the board. Uh, are we even like underrating him, putting him at six? Like He's definitely in this tier. But... Yeah, I had him at five on my list. The th it's hard to talk about Cronenworth because he's just solidly above average at pretty much everything. He debuted old, which is something we should definitely mention. He's going into, like, his 28th, age 28 season, isn't he? Yeah, he'll be 28 next year. Yeah. So that's probably the biggest knock you have against him, but for a win-now team like the Padres, his back combined with his solid versatility and glove work, I think he's really there platonic ideal player i think he's the perfect sort of backup to tatis and not backup as in the he waiting for waiting in the by the waiting in the wings to uh for his time to shine i mean he's in the he's that scotty pippen role i think he's he's deservedly one of the better second baseman in the league, and I think he could be a all-star in 2022 or even 2023. He's a very good player. Um, I wish we got to see him pitch more. Yeah. <gasps> that, that was fun when he did that. Um, I, I can't believe the Rays didn't keep this guy. He fits their team so well. Imagine him on the Rays. He's Joey Wendell, but he's better. And he'd also pitch 40 innings a year with a one ERA. That's that's one that bothers me. That would have been so much fun. I get it. The Padres are a really fun team, but 
Cronenworth is the perfect Ray. Can't believe they traded him. I don't want to do this next one. <laughs> so I'm, I'm not even going to give an intro here. Here we go. Number five, Jose Altuve. Altuve's still really good. He'll be 32 next year. He got down-ballot MVP support last year, and deservedly so. 678 plate appearances. I believe that was the most he's had in his career. 130 WRC+, 5.2 war, 31 homers. He set a career high in walk rate, just under 10%. Five outs above average. I think that tied a career high. He's still really good. Uh, what, what can we say about Altuve that people either aren't going to respond with a trash can emoji or people don't already know? See, I'm over the Altuve and Astros hate, so I can praise him. He is simply one of the best hitters at the second base position. I mean, he's he's a real complete hitter. Uh, great power, easily going to be able to jot him down for 25, 30 plus homers a year. Draws his good amount of walks. Uh, the only real knock about him... to knock to him is he's not a good base runner and the defensive stats are split on his glove work i know that drs certainly isn't fond of him but i mean he's still altuve he's still someone you can anchor a lineup around he's still gonna put fear into the hearts of pitchers in the american league he's really good and i really wish people would stop using the 2017 scandal as an excuse to discount him. Yeah, that's... Well, while I have the platform, I will say Altuve, it's recorded in the data, didn't have the trash can bangs. Also, there's no evidence of buzzers. Uh, the only evidence is a conspiracy theorist who shouldn't have a platform. I'm not even going to mention his name. Everyone knows who I'm talking about. Altuve's still really good. He's The only reason he's number five on this list and not higher is because people hate him. The only reason he's not going to be a Hall of Famer is because people hate him. Now, should he be a Hall of Famer? That's a different discussion. I think no, but I think there's an argument for it, and I know a lot of opposing pitchers have said he should, he should be. I believe Marcus Stroman and Adbert Alzali have both campaigned for it. I mean, he's he's the premier second baseman of his generation. I mean, who else would it be? Yeah. Well, he has the misfortune of following a quintet of, like, all-time great second baseman of Utley, Cano, Pedroia, Kinsler, Zobrist. He's, once they retired or got out of their prime, he was definitely the guy who picked it up. He was number one at this position for a couple of years in a row. He's still maybe should be higher than number five, but even if he's not, he's top five. He's still a good hitter. I think I had him seventh on my mock MVP MVP ballot this past season. He's still really good. Mm-hmm. He's not particularly old. Yeah. It's going to be worse in the third base one, talking about Bregman. Oh, I'm glad I don't have to do that. Uh, yeah, that's going to be hard. 
Let's go to someone less controversial. And actually the youngest player on the list, I believe, I believe he's younger than Jonathan India. Number four, Ozzy Albies. Albies had kind of a down year this past season. He was 24. He had 686 plate appearances, which is a ton. And in that span, he produced a 107 WRC+, which was about in line with his career average, just a little below it, but it's not great. Uh, he still hit 30 home runs. He has a lot of power for a little guy. But here's the alarming thing with him. One out above average, one defensive run saved. He was always a premier defender at the position. The metrics soured on him last year. He was still a little over 4 war, 4.2 fan graphs. But if the defense is gone, that's a huge cause for concern. I'm really shocked that Ozzy's is number four on this list while Colton Wong didn't even make it. To me, Albies is just uh, the it's just Wong version two or Colton Wong with a worse contract. Colton Wong with a uh, more power. Yeah. <laughs> so I had Wong at ten and I had Albies at six. My thing with Albies is. Well, we already we know what he what he is. He's been in the league for four or five years. He's going to give you around a one ten WRC plus. He's going to give you good defense. He just doesn't have that high of a ceiling because most of his offensive production comes from homers. He's similar to Javi Baez in that way. A lot of his value comes from his defense, and like you said, his defense is showing troubling signs and I just don't understand why he's so high I don't see the I don't see any upside I don't see a particularly high floor I don't see anything you can point to and say this is what makes him so good there's not really anything he's significantly above average and it's just that he's a uh, slightly above average hitter and slightly above average defender. Yeah. I think the big things with him that move the perception of him so high, and I'll clarify, I had him at number five, but I think it's a weak position, and I think there was a big gap between the top four and everyone else. But I think the things that kind of push the perception up for him are he's very young. He has that terrible contract. So his trade value is enormous. I think people know that and equate that with meaning he must be an excellent player, which he's he's a good player. He's a very good player. He's probably four win a uh, four win guy every year, but he's not a superstar. He's a nice player to have on your team. He's not the guy to build your team around. The Braves have a different one of those guys, and if his defense is gone, that's not good at all. Then he goes from being a four-win guy to a two-and-a-half, three-win guy. Now, the one thing that could save him besides his defense coming back is if he stops switch hitting, he would be a lot better. He could take the Cedric Mullins approach, but there's been very little indication that he's going to do that. I think he's only hit without the platoon advantage a handful of times in his career. So, I don't know. I'm worried about Albies. I still think he's good. And I still have him ranked highly at a weak position, but I'm worried about him. 
Yeah, he definitely could slip down to sixth, seventh, maybe even eighth if he has another mediocre year. Yeah. His durability is a plus, though. He's putting up close to 700 plate appearances. That's big. Now let's say a guy who's really not durable. At number three, probably the most talented player on the list. He just can't do it over a full season. Cattell Marte of the Diamondbacks. Now Marte's tough because he splits time roughly equally between second base and center field. And he's not a good defender at either of them. But what he is is an excellent hitter. Marte is going to be 28 next season, and last year, over 374 plate appearances, he slashed 318, 377, 532 for a 139 WRC+, and three wins in 370 plate appearances, exactly 2.9 F4. Marte is really talented. He has an injury history. He was bad in 2020. He was great in 2019. He's really tough to rank. So how did you deal with Marte? I mean, I'm a big believer in offensive upside. That's why I had uh, that's why I personally rank LeMahieu over guys like Wong because of that offensive upside. So I felt decently comfortable ranking Marte fairly high. I did have him at number three. That offensive upside is just something you cannot ignore, even with the injury history, even with the uh, poor fielding. A 140 WRC+, plus. I mean, in a lot of lineups, that's going to be either your best or your second best hitter. He's also a good base runner, too, which is another thing worth mentioning. Yeah, it was only a couple of years ago that... Uh... He looked like a failed prospect, and then he broke out in 2019. I mean, he's comparable to Byron Buxton, who had another, <laughs> who's another guy who has big offensive production but can't stay healthy. Yeah, you Buxton. just really need like a 500 plate appearance season from Marte before you really feel comfortable putting him at a, any high, really. And if he doesn't have another healthy season in 2020, I think he could fall off the list completely because there's just not enough substance there. There's just not enough uh, history or things to point to. Yeah, he's really talented. He needs to play. I just looked up the last year's WRC plus leaderboards for people with at least 350 plate appearances. And here are some players who ranked below Marte. <laughs> Jordan Alvarez, Paul Goldschmidt, Jose Ramirez, Brandon Nimmo, Brandon Lau, and Giancarlo Stanton were all below Marte, which shows really how great he is on a rate basis. He just, he needs to do it for a little bit longer to get ahead of these guys who are ahead of him now. Because they're both really good players. They're probably not as talented as Marte, but they play. Number two. This one was controversial. A lot of people had him ranked really high. I believe he actually got first place votes. 
And he was also ranked as low as eighth on some lists. Number two is Brandon Lau of the Rays. Lau is a really good player. He's not a very good defensive second baseman. He's not bad. Same deal with right field, left field, wherever the Rays put him, because it's the Rays. He's going into his age 27 season. Last year in 650, no, 615 plate appearances, he hit for serious power, 39 home runs, and a 137 WRC+, plus, which added up to 5.2 F4. Really good season. Possible down-ballot MVP guy. I didn't quite have him on my list, but I considered him. And for his career, he also really hits, 134 WRC+. Plus. He walks, he hits for power, he doesn't hit for average, who cares? He's a competent fielder, he plays multiple positions. That was just a really good player, right? Yeah, I mean, his worst WRC plus in a season is like, what, 125 in a full season? Yeah. He, he just simply hits. He's the guy you can anchor a lineup around, he's a guy you can really build around. I mean, left-handed power bats, they they don't grow on trees, and one who can play multiple positions competently, one who can play a, uh, a relatively premium defensive position in second base, he's really good, and I think he doesn't get the credit he deserves because he always gets off to a slow start, it seems. And he's on the raise. <laughs> yeah. But... He, he is one of the best second basemen in the league. That's simply unquestionable. Un, uh, He's simply one of the best hitters in the league. And I think another healthy season, if he's able to star the... If he's able to play the first half of the season, like he usually plays the second half of the season, he's a, an MVP candidate. Absolutely. I'm really looking forward to seeing him play next to Wander for a full season. Those two are going to be so exciting as a middle infield. And I know it's the Rays. They they won't be a middle infield all the time. Sometimes they'll play third base and right field or something. But those two are just... They're going to be second base and shortstop for the next three years, probably. And they're going to be good. They're going to be exciting. I'll be watching a lot of their games. <laughs> even without Glass now to watch every fifth day. And number one, this was an easy one. Almost unanimous, I believe 25 of 28 first place votes. He's coming third in AL MVP voting in both 2019 and 2021. Marcus Simeon, now of the Texas Rangers. That's weird to say. Oakland A's legend, Marcus Simeon. A's legend, Marcus Simeon. <sighs> Simeon is excellent. He's going into his age 31 season. He led MLB with 724 plate appearances last year. Again, Blue Jays lineup. 131 WRC+. Plus. It's very good. 6.6 F4. That's very good. Career high exit velocity, just a shade under 90 miles an hour. Seven outs above average at second base. He has the most war in baseball, Fangraph's war, among all position players since 2019 with 15.4. That's a huge thing, and I don't think many people would guess that he's the leader for the past three years. 
The only real knock against him is that he way outperformed his ex-Woba, but he also did that in his other MVP-type season. So maybe it's just a skill he has. Yeah, he's definitely one of those players. He, uh, Even though he set the record for most home runs by a second baseman in a single season this year, if I remember correctly, he's more of a line drive hitter than anything. Uh, a lot of his home runs, they're not fly balls. They're short lasers that just clear the fence. He's extremely durable. Like you said, he he usually ends up with at least 700 games, 700 games play, <laughs> 700 play appearances. Be hell of a thing if he managed to play 700 games in a single season. Uh. He's extremely durable. He's good on the defensive side of, of the ball. Was a he was a plus shortstop in Oakland near the near his end of his Oakland tenure. Now over at second base, he's able to be even better. Good eye doesn't strike out very much. He's just he's gonna be a thing. He's gonna for the Rangers. He's gonna with Corey Seager in there. Two, he's gonna. They're gonna be a heck of a one-two punch. Uh, Simeon, he's not going anywhere, even though he's getting up there in age. He's got a very well-rounded tool set. He's got a very good history production. He's quite simply gonna be a probably another MVP candidate over the next few years. He's really someone you can't ride off, and he's someone you always got to be thinking about if you're ever watching a Rangers game. Yeah, he's just really good. It's Like you mentioned, he's going to be with Seager. That's going to be a great middle infield. They're not going to field much, but they're going to be, they're going to really hit and semi-middle field at least for the next few years, I hope. He's just so good. He hits, he walks. He fields well. He plays a lot. He got a big contract. No one really complained. He's a good player. He's probably not going to actually win an MVP. Apparently coming in third is his thing. But he's just so good. He's probably a top 20 player in baseball overall. Maybe even top 10. I don't know. I, I believe I had him 13th on my list this year. He's so good. He was a really easy pick for number one here. And now, we get to present our own lists. Yeah. Woo! <laughs> if I can get it on the screen. So here we go. I'll run down for people who are listening to this and not watching it. Let me just give a quick rundown here. The Diamond Digest overall list that we just finished counting down was... 1. Marcus Simeon, 2. Brandon Lau, 3. Cattell Marte, 4. Ozzie Albies, 5. Jose Altuve, 6. Jake Cronenworth, 7. Jonathan India, 8. Javier Baez, 9. Jorge Polanco, and 10. Whit Merrifield. My personal list is in lockstep with the top three, Simeon, Lau, and Marte. I have Altuve at 4, Albies at 5, Cronenworth at 6, Polanco 7, Baez 8, India 9, and Jeff McNeil at 10. And Jenny, do you want to read your list? Yeah, I have 
same as Sean and the rest of the Diamond Digest team. Simeon, Lau, Marte at the top, then Altuve fourth, Cronenworth fifth, Albies sixth, followed by India at seventh, Polanco at eighth, LeMahieu ninth, and Cattell, and Colton Wong rounding it out at number 10. All right. So I have, I have some questions for you. Go ahead. So, LeMahieu, but not McNeil. Well, I just think that LeMahieu's ceiling is higher than McNeil's. I, I think it's very unlikely that LeMahieu returns to his 2019-2020 form. He, had, he averaged a 199 WRC WRC plus. He averaged a 199 ISO over that span, something he never achieved before in a previous season, something his career average is way off of. But if he can get back to that, he's probably a top five second baseman. I just, like I said before in this stream, I value offensive upside pretty highly, and that's why I put LeMahieu on the list. Yeah, that's why that's why I thought to bring up McNeil, because he has really high offensive upside. He was a 140 guy, guy in his career before this past season. So, did you just not put him on because you're not confident in the defense, no matter where he plays, or because he's on the Mets? Or? Well, I just think his... Uh... His emphasis on contact hitting, I think, makes him, even though he does have that history of production, I think his emphasis on contact makes him a lot more variable year to year compared to LeMahieu, who just needs to find the power he had in 2019 and 2020 to be back to being elite, basically. Yeah, LeMahieu needs to lift the ball yeah. is the problem with it. Or he needs the ball to be juiced again. Yeah, I don't mind the LeMahieu ranking. I really struggled with him. Uh, I had drafts of this list where I had him as high as number seven. I had drafts where I didn't rank him in my top 15 at all. I eventually settled on 12th, I believe, which not far off from your ninth. I mentioned earlier there's really no difference between 8th and 14th here. Yeah. Uh, glad you got Wong in. I really like Wong. Was really close to putting him in the top ten. When it comes to like nine through the rest, there's really like a five point or five position margin of error. Really, yeah, they're all pretty close together. Mm -hmm. And looking ahead to the next few years, there are some exciting guys coming up. There's Jazz Chisholm could be on this list in a few years, I hope. There's no one more fun than him when he's good. I really hope he ends up being good. Bobby Witt, if he moves to second base. Wander Franco, if he moves to second base. Vidal Brujan could be on this list in a few years. There are some guys. This could be a more stacked position really shortly. Mm -hmm. I do have one more thing, though. What... What were people thinking with Whit Merrifield? <laughs> yeah, I feel the exact same. I mean, 
His best days are almost certainly behind him. Again, he's a, he's a good player. But were people thinking of fantasy baseball? Were they thinking, oh, he's going to boost my roto categories because he steals bases and gets hits for average? I mean, let me put it this way. Do you think the Royals are happy with him at second? Do you think the Royals aren't looking for ways to move on from him, ways to upgrade? Are you thinking other teams are calling up the Royals to try and take him off their hands? Yeah, the Royals probably want to put Adalberto Mondesi at second base. If he can stay healthy. <laughs> yeah, because their best defensive alignment is Nicky Lopez at short. Yeah, so Merrifield isn't even the best second baseman on the Royals. Lopez is definitely better. Lopez is really good. Lopez led baseball in ounce above average last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I... Uh, other writers, thank you for making this list. I don't know what you were thinking. Yeah, Merrifield at 10 is really the only one on the Diamond Digest community list that I disagree with strongly yeah i think that was the strongest reaction i had to any ranking at any position with the possible exception of putting vado at six at first base over brandon belt and pete alonzo yeah thanks thanks for doing the list please don't put merrifield this high again Maybe next year I'll have to specify that this isn't fantasy rankings. Because I didn't do that. Anyway, do you have any final thoughts to get in? Uh, I just think it's a really exciting time for second basemen. Even though they don't have the star power of shortstop or uh, some of the young outfielders in baseball, there's still a lot of exciting young players uh, and weirdly enough, a lot of the most exciting second basemen are the older guys. You know, Simeon, Altuve, uh, LeMahieu has the potential to be special. I It's a fun position to think about and see how it's going to play. I think it's the most unpredictable position outside of, like, starting pitching. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait till we do the starting pitching episode. <laughs> It's going to take two hours. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm splitting it into two parts. That reminds me, public service announcement for everyone listening to this. There will only be one episode next week because of President's Day. And I'm going to segue right from the public service announcement into the end of this podcast. So thank you everyone for listening today or for watching if you watched the embedded or YouTube video of this. I'm Sean Huff. I've been your host today. And Jenny Sai has been presenting the list with me. We both work for Diamond Digest, which you can visit at diamond-digest.com. You can follow on Twitter at diamond underscore digest or Instagram diamond.digest. For everyone here, thank you for listening. And before you criticize us, please make your own lists. Even if you're not going to criticize us, I encourage you to do so anyway. It's very fun. And if you want to send your own lists to us, please feel free. Good night, everybody. 